This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. I am Aaron Bosch, and I'm joined by my co-host here, Roxanne Solonen. We are now going into our final segment, which is a very interesting and unique topic. I don't know if we've ever had anyone on to discuss this particular topic here, but we have Paul Thigpen here to discuss uh, Catholic views on the possibility of extraterrestrial life existing. So, Paul, are you there? I'm here, Aaron. Good morning. Yeah, good morning to you, Paul. So, real quick, uh, give us a little bit of a rundown on your, I guess, educational background or your career path, or basically just introduce yourself to the audience, because this is, again, a very uh, unique and interesting topic. So, what is, and what's your connection to it? Yeah, that's a great question. I'm a uh... I'm a convert to the Catholic faith. I okay. uh, was an atheist for six years as a teenager. And then. And how long have you been Catholic? Uh, Got to ask. Obligatory question. Well, 30 years. Okay, yeah. very uh, good. Longer than I've been. I'm a cardinal Catholic, so you're beating me there. <laughs> okay, that's great. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, and then finally, after conversion, back to like back to my childhood faith. And then, um, 93, my wife and I became, our, our kids came into the Catholic Church. Uh, finally got home spiritually, which is wonderful. Mm-hmm. I've, uh, uh, part of the reason I ended up uh, was able to to understand the faith was um, was working on a, a doctoral program in historical theology mm-hmm. and church history, and so as uh, Saint John Cardinal Newman once said, that uh, to be deep in history is to cease to be Protestant, and that's what <laughs> happened to me. <laughs> so especially when I started uh, studying the Church Fathers, and I said, "Oh my goodness, <laughs> they're Catholic! What can I do?" <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> But anyway, it was so wonderful, and and um, one of the things I loved about historical theology, and that ties into this, this subject, is that um, the approach to theology is not just to kind of analyze and, and try to make histor- uh, theological propositions, but that you look at the historical conversation on that subject, if you can, that precedes it, because the Church is, you know, an historical reality, and so much of our theology has had to develop over time. You have the Church Council here. Uh, especially the early ones, uh, Christological controversies and others. So um, <clears throat> that, that's how I approach, you know, theology. And um, this this topic, ex- possibility of extraterrestrial, not just life, but intelligent life, has been um, something I've been interested in since I was a kid. Been. So it, it was only a natural thing that when I came to faith, and then more especially to Catholic faith, I began asking myself, okay, is that compatible with with this faith? Um, has the church ever taught anything about it? That kind of thing. And then finally, you know, to to begin to do the research. And um, I, I did research on and off for years. And then uh, with a particular uh, article that came out in the New York Times in 2019, spurred me to to think. Okay, I've been thinking about writing a book about this extraterrestrial intelligence, you know, and the Catholic faith. Um, so it took me two years, but uh, did the research on that, wrote that book. It's uh, published by Tan Books uh, a year ago. And then what is the name of that book again? Um, it was called Extraterrestrial Intelligence and the Catholic Faith. Okay. And then subtitle, Are We Alone in the Universe with God and the Angels? Mm-hmm. And a very so good that, question you know, that, Yeah, right, that's the question. And uh, <clears throat> so anyway, this pressed me to go much more deeply into it, to look at it in light of uh, church teaching, in light of what you know, popes and saints and, and others have said, church fathers, uh, even to look at um, what was what 
the early church fathers kind of inherited from the Greek world of philosophy, and um, and also what other Christian figures outside the, the Catholic Church, like C.S. Lewis, have said in more recent times. Mm-hmm. So that uh, that prompted me to, to write the book. Like I said it took, took a couple of years. It's gosh, it's four hundred pages and has over five hundred and fifty footnotes. So it's actually the most substantial thing I've written since my dissertation. Wow! But it, but I've, uh, I wrote it, you know, not as a scholarly work so much. It is scholarly. It's <clears throat> informed by scholarship. But it's really for everyday Catholics to say, okay, if you want to look in depth at this issue, you know, here's here's one way to do it. Would you say the book is then somewhat both scholarly but a little bit speculative as well? Well, yeah. I mean, what I you know, one of my conclusions, my main conclusions is that um, the the possibility of extraterrestrial intelligence is not <clears throat> denied by the Catholic faith. It would not contradict the Catholic faith, um, and. Uh, there's an appendix at the end about things like, you know, it's called What, if, what About UFOs, because people wanted me to, to write about that. Yes, but, we're going through uh, a period of kind of UFO mania right now. Again, it's been building the past few years, and that's something that happens kind of cyclically in our society. And uh, I guess, yeah. real quick, before we go on, uh, not to uh, cut your thought off here, just keep that on the back <laughs> of your head, I just wanted to make sure that when we're talking about extraterrestrial life, how are we defining that? Because I think a lot of people have, especially due to movies and stories they've probably heard in different documentaries out there, everyone has kind of a different view on what that is. Are we talking like little green men and flying saucers? Are we talking something different? Is more like Star Trek? I mean, what was what do you mean by extraterrestrial life? What are we trying to get at there? Yeah, when, you know, when we say that, what we mean is that, that life, you know, so terrestrial means Earth, extra means mm-hmm. beyond or outside. So um, life that originates from somewhere outside planet Earth would probably be the I guess for me, the easiest way to, to put the definition. There are some of the discussions are using the term now non-human intelligence instead, and um, because they want to broaden the possibilities of what we could be encountering out there. Mm-hmm. But um, when we say extraterrestrial intelligence, then you know I have to, <clears throat> and I do make the note right away in the book. So what I'm talking about is not angels and demons. Mm-hmm. Um, those are extraterrestrial in the sense that they're not; they don't originate from the earth. But what we're focusing on would be something not supernatural, but natural. Something more that comes physical. From, uh, yeah, from beyond our... So, um, so the, yeah, that's, you know, that's the focus of the book, um, because I mean, what kind of prompted me to write it, among other things, is I began to realize that this is going to be um, a topic taken much more seriously and has been in the last couple of years. You've now got congressional hearings that have gone on about <laughs> it. Uh, I'll get to that eventually. Extraordinary claims, yep. Claims being made, and I thought, okay, if if people start to, you know, Catholics and other Christians start to look at this seriously, um, if they if they're convinced that that the Church teaches that such things don't exist, it could begin to really upset their faith. Um, if if they, you know if we begin to have evidence that they are there, and I, I want them to to realize, you look at the history of the Church and the people, prominent you know Christian leaders and Catholic leaders especially over the centuries. Uh, have not, you know, that's that's not the conclusion that it's contrary to our faith. And uh, some claim that the catechism teaches against it. I would say very firmly, no, it does not. Um, that the church has not taken a position. But anyway, I don't want them to be. I want Christians, if if there should be evidence presented of this, don't want Christians to say, "Oh my goodness, is my faith wrong? Does this disprove my faith?" Because there are people out there who will tell them that they're they've been saying it for centuries. And yeah. saying it for centuries that this would disprove your faith if it's real. 
Okay, and let's let's get right down into it. So again, you mentioned does does the church have any official teaching us terrestrial life? Like, what's the what's the thought line that's gone on through the millennia that churches existed? Because obviously, popes and saints have kind of speculated about it. It's funny people don't talk about it so much, but in the Middle Ages, there was always the question: like, what was the cosmology of the world? Like, are there you know humans or other things that live on other planets? There was always this kind of open question. There were different views on it. So, what's the main like kind of thought line, Ben? If you can condense it down, and what's if any official church teaching on the concept that we're talking about? Yeah, the you know the thought line is kind of a watershed. <laughs> I won't say event, but period mm-hmm. uh, in the thinking of, of almost everybody in Western culture. When folks finally got out from under the, the Greek pagan philosophers Aristotle's notion that the way the cosmos is is made, that the Earth is at the center of it, mm-hmm. and so not just Christians, but you know, not just religious leaders, but also scientists of the day, philosophers, non Christians, they were all kind of assume that was the case. And because that that cosmology, that understanding of the cosmos, did not allow or even conceive of any kind of planets out there that would be balls of gas or, or um, you know, a rock where something could live, mm-hmm. the closest they could come to a notion of extraterrestrial intelligence was the old idea that uh, Aristotle had taught that St. Thomas Aquinas was open to, was that perhaps the stars were actually alive, that they're sentient, that they have their own souls. So they would be a form of extraterrestrial intelligence. But it wasn't until the Copernican Revolution we finally realized science you know, was able to demonstrate, no, the Earth's not the center, and, and the sun doesn't go around the Earth, and that all of Aristotle's cosmology was off, and we were going to have to you know, discover what it truly was. Then as soon as that happened, then people, you know, Christians and others, began saying, well, okay, if there could be something else out there, it's not just, uh, we're, we're not just the center of the Earth, or the center of the universe, maybe there could be other creatures. And others had, had postulated these ideas from early times, but it was at that point where a lot of folks began to take the question seriously because they were no longer bound to Aristotle's wrong idea. Mm-hmm. We, we had kind of an intellectual freedom to start, you know, really reconsidering the question. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So most, I would say, most of the folks before that who had rejected the idea wasn't on the ground that there couldn't be some kind of non-human intelligence other than us and angels but on more of what they would consider like scientific or philosophical grounds that they can only... And and it's even more complicated than that. The whole world, the word we translate world, cosmos, from the Greek, could mean entire universe as well, not just planet. And so that kind of muddied the conversation because a lot of what the arguments were about was can there be more than one universe, more than one universe. And that's its own long, wide-ranging question that, we, I mean, we could do multiple segments on just that one alone. I mean, that's also been a topic yeah. you see in scientific discussion today is the multiverse. It also seems like every movie is a multiverse now, too. It's a really popular right. concept at this moment. But, I mean, whether or not that's real, that's its own sort of thing. So, yeah, that's true. So, so, anyway, that's you know kind of a short, so it was the beginning at that time. Then. But what you did have, for instance, uh, because the, uh, the universities, uh, in the early Middle Ages, or High Middle Ages, had begun to come under the influence of Aristotle by way of St. Thomas. You had folks who were saying um, it's impossible for, for God to have created other world, inhabited world. And uh, the Bishop of Paris had to come out publicly and condemn a whole number of propositions that were being taught at the universities that were not true. And that was one of them. No, really? God, you know, God is God. We, mm-hmm. we cannot say that it would be impossible. Now, you might conclude that he hasn't done that, that's a different question. But they had to get that settled. No, do not say that it's somehow inherently impossible for God to create more than one inhabited world. 
he can he's God. He can do that. <laughs> That's very interesting. I've never heard about that before. That's a very interesting ruling. Well, uh, it's you know one of many things. That, that, that's why the book is so long. I have a big historical section because it's like walking coming to a party late and you walk in and uh, and you walk up to a group of friends are having a conversation as they're talking. You start to make points and say, "Oh, well, I think so and so," and they look at you and say, uh, "Somebody just said that." <laughs> <laughs> you have to know the history of the conversation. So that's why the book spends so much time looking at the history of, of conversation about. Yeah, that's a conversation. And it's such about a UFO. dense topic here. That's why we definitely wanted to have that historical background. So I appreciate you giving us that introduction here. So we've got about 10 seconds till our next break here. So in the next segment, we're going to be talking about some of the more modern uh, takes on, I guess, extraterrestrials, some of the congressional hearings, like I mentioned earlier, and all of that. So uh, join us at the end of this next break here. You're listening to Real Presence Live. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Daily Meditations of Pope Benedict XVI, presented by Leonardo Filippis of St. Luke Productions. The Yes of Believing. Ascent is produced by the will, not by the understanding's own direct insight. Believing is not an act of the understanding alone, not simply an act of the will, not just an act of feeling, but an act in which all the spiritual powers of man are at work together. Still more, man in his own self and of himself cannot bring about this believing at all. It has of its nature the character of a dialogue. It is only because the depth of the soul, the heart, has been touched by God's word that the whole structure of spiritual powers is set in motion and unites in the yes of believing. It is through all this that we also begin to see the particular kind of truth with which believing is concerned. Theology talks about saving truth. Everything a man does or allows to happen to him can, ultimately, be derived from his will to be happy. When the heart comes into contact with God's logos, with the Word who became man, this inmost point of his existence is being touched. Then he does not merely feel, he knows from within himself, that is it. That is he. That is what I was waiting for. It is a kind of recognition, for we have been created in relation to God. This meditation is taken from Benedictus, published by Ignatius Press and Magnificat, and produced by St. Luke Productions. Learn more at stlukeproductions.com. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories, and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. I am Aaron Bosch, and this is my host. Roxanne Solonen. All right. Hopefully I didn't jump in too early there before Rachel gave me the key. Okay, she's shaking her head now. All right, good. I'm, I'm only flubbing right at the end here when everyone's listening, so I'm not embarrassing myself too much. We're talking with uh, Paul Thigpen on the Catholic view of the possibility of extraterrestrial life. Again, welcome back, Paul. So 
Uh, one thing I did want to touch on real quick is a lot of people throw around the term UFOs and now there's UAPs and all that. Paul, could you just quickly explain what those terms mean and what they don't mean to us just very briefly? Sure. Yeah, UFO means uh, stands for unidentified flying object. It uh, came into uh, vogue, I guess, probably about 70 years ago when there began to be a whole lot of sightings of things in the air that could not be identified. And over time, I guess, even though it's still the most popular term I use it sometimes, but um, there was a recognition that that doesn't cover everything. <laughs> mm-hmm. That, uh, for instance, a lot of the sightings show vehicles coming in and out of the water and flying and going out to space, that kind of thing. So they wanted to, to make it more broad. So UAP is unidentified aerial phenomena, and then now they've even changed that to unidentified anomalous phenomena. Mm-hmm. So that you've got, it, it covers all kinds of, of things besides just flying objects in the sky. And again, just to clarify, we even though that's related to the topic we're speaking about, someone could theoretically <laughs> believe in like intelligent life beyond Earth, but they don't have to think that it's come to this planet or that we've had any interaction with it at all. Yeah, that's a great distinction. It's one mm-hmm. thing to say that, that even though they believe, I mean, a large, I think the majority of Americans surveyed on this say, yeah, they believe that it's out there. They, the question is, has it ever come here, or is it even, has it come, you know, is it here now? It's flying around. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me. So uh, the other thing I have to say, too, is that just because people's minds, they see, hear the term UFO, then they do think aliens, little green men, flying saucers. Yeah. But it's, you know, that's, yeah, it's, it's a very small part. It, the fact that it's unidentified, it could be identified as eventually as something much more prosaic. But it does include, you know, the possibility of something here from beyond our planet. And again, that's something I want to distinguish here is that this is a, it's a philosophical conversation. It's not like a necessarily a conspiracy theory, even even though the conspiracy theories are very fun. Don't get me wrong. I, I enjoy a, a good scroll through Twitter to see what people are saying about it today. But at the same time, this is, we're trying to couch this as more of a philosophical, like, okay, what does the church say about this? And trying to kind of remain calm and not like panic about it or anything <laughs> like that. Because no, I, I don't think, this is just my opinion now, I could be wrong, but I don't think we're, we're on the cusp of an alien invasion or anything like that. I think we're, we should be talking about this because it's an interesting subject, but at the same time, it's not something that we need to get completely thrown out and go off the deep end about. Because until we start having an Independence Day kind of moment here, we need to call Will Smith. I think we're okay uh, with just talking about it in more of an intellectual sort of, uh, again, in that sort of vein. Well, what we do? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just say, why do you think it, the, the earlier Aaron had mentioned that there's kind of a lot of more discussion about this? What What do you think it is about right now at our time in in our place that this is like becoming something that's even being discussed in congressional hearings? Yes, and that's a good question because uh, a really good question because uh, <clears throat> relating to what what Aaron said, um, <clears throat> in some ways it is more than theoretical and philosophical. Uh, simply that you know, it depends on how you how you categorize evidence and what weight you give to it. But there, there's been evidence for nearly 80 years of all kinds of sightings, people, you know, claiming first-person encounters with things. Um, and uh, more recently, then there was the kind of disclosure, you might say, that uh, American military folks, especially pilots, especially Navy pilots, have been encountering some extraordinary things. And not just that they see it out of their window, but it's not only is it seen by <clears throat> um, various observers on the ship and the plane, that kind of thing, 
but also that the uh, the radar confirms it, the um, the infrared detectors confirm it, several kinds of things confirm it, so that it's obviously something really there, but it's doing things that they cannot explain according to the laws of physics as we know them. And this is not just an isolated thing. The, the, the pilots have testified under oath that it's been going on for years in some places almost every day during in their training exercises. Um, so you all of a sudden you've got something much more than just, you know, conspiracy theory or that kind of thing. And it, and it took this kind of stuff to get it to a congressional hearing where in the most recent one, David Grush, who had uh, an extremely high, well-placed uh, person in the intelligence community, um, has basically become a whistleblower and said, yeah, this stuff's real. The government's known it for a long time. Uh, the government has actually recovered physical craft that has crashed or, or been left and abandoned. Um, is trying is engaged in reverse engineering programs with them with private uh, companies in the aerospace and defense industry, and uh, even claimed that there there were bodies recovered of <laughs> the pilots. So all of a sudden now, the things that have been said uh, by uh, UFO researchers for for decades now. You've got someone very well placed, very very credible, whose credibility you know really can't be challenged, hasn't been challenged, um, being supported by eyewitnesses like the the pilot and uh, and many more. Apparently, this this particular man making his claim had interviewed forty uh, some odd people within the intelligence community who were saying to him, "Look, this stuff is real. Uh, it's supposed to have all of our programs studying this. They're supposed to have congressional oversight, but they don't." We think there have been crimes committed and trying to cover it up, um, and that's why he brought it forward. So now he, but he did the right way. He went through the uh, inspector general of the intelligence community, bringing these things, saying you need to look at them. Um, when the inspector general interviewed him and interviewed some of the people that he had talked to, he found the claims to be credible and urgent, and so brought them to Congress. So that's kind of where we are right now. That you know, it's more than a conspiracy theory. Um, more than um, you know, claims that it's the swamp glass, the swamp gas, or the planet Venus, mm-hmm. or something like they used to say. Well, so all that to say, it's it's not just in the realm of you know theology and philosophy anymore. That's why now there's so much talk about it because at certain levels, Congress and others are taking it very seriously. Mm-hmm. And and to offer both a a wanting to believe but also <laughs> skeptical short inquiry here. It's interesting. I've noticed because I've studied politics for a long time is that anytime the country's in a bad spot, suddenly there's a lot of UFO talk, almost as if the people in power want you to talk about that instead of anything else, which is not to say that it's not happening. It's just interesting they start to trot this out at conveniently placed times, it seems. And I don't know if that's something you've encountered at all, Paul, in your studies as well, but it's like, okay, well, there could be a broader political game being played. It could all be fake. Or it could all be real. But there's still politics interacting with it, so it's interesting to view that. So that's it, it's interesting, and I do again. I've always appreciated these stories of, that you get from you know the government is trying to cover this up, or they don't know what it is either. Or I've done reading on like Project Blue Book and all those other things that are kind of in the UFO mythos. But at the same time, it's also interesting to me that you have to get to the root of the politics is what the government's always going to be focused on first. So like they sure they can find enough people to say these things even under oath and then claim that it's real. But of course. They could be, but it could not be because they're trying to do a big distraction, which is its own weird angle as well. But I believe, real quick, uh, we'll come back to you, Paul, in a sec, but we have to have Rachel do our preview for our next show. So, Rachel, are you, what do we got? 
Coming up on the next Real Presence Live, Tuesday from 9 to 11 a.m. Central, your host is Jock Daniel, coming to you live from Rapid City, South Dakota. He'll be speaking with Dr. Ralph Martin about the upcoming RPR banquet in Rochester. And Father Nick Nelson will be speaking about the next Theology Uncapped, Why Are We Not One?, a discussion between Catholic and Orthodox churches. All this and more is coming on the next Real Presence Live, Tuesday from 9 to 11 a.m. Central. Back to you. She does it so much better than I do. Oh, she's very smooth. Um, Paul, as we get ready to kind of head off into the day here, I, I, I'm curious, kind of taking all of this in stride here, how do we kind of look at this as everyday Catholics? Like, what is the emphasis here? Do we need to really focus on this? Do we need to, where do we place it in our lives as Catholics? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, one of the things I've found is when I begin to look deeply into the issue, it pressed me uh, into a closer relationship with God. It, um, it, it began to make me think about ways in which He could be even more powerful and creative and wise than we knew, you know, than we've, we've imagined before. Uh, it also pressed me, and I have to you know, deal with this in the book, to think more deeply about the Incarnation on Earth and its, its, uh, its effects and you know, how far they extend. It pressed me to think more deeply about the image of God, what does that mean? Um, about eschatology, you know, the last things. And so it's, even if it were just a thought, kind of a thought exercise, it's very, I found it very useful in, in deepening my faith and my love for the Lord. But um, the main thing I think we need, need to keep in mind is whatever the discussions may be, um, someone you know, just recently asked me, you asked me about uh, what would I say to my kids about this. Well, when St. John Paul II uh, had an audience uh, in Rome, at a church in Rome, um, Oh, we lost him right oh, when he right, was gonna right, right when he was gonna quote John Paul II. Are you there, Paul? Or okay, well, okay. We'll, we have a right. one minute to harden show. So that's a good cliffhanger for next time. Yeah, we're to definitely it. gonna have I'm to have him, have him, have him on oh, sometime. Oh, there you are, is Paul. He, Paul. Am I back? Am oh I yeah, back? we, yes, we missed what you said about John Paul II. We have just a <laughs> short amount of time left. We have about thirty seconds left, so I think it's probably for the best to let's leave that thought hanging. I'll get you scheduled <laughs> sometime very soon because I have some openings coming up, even maybe before our live drive. So I will get you on there, and we can have another discussion about this subject, and you can tell us the anecdote here, so we can leave everyone of bated breath, kind of excited for that. If that if that's okay, we don't usually do cliffhangers on the show, but I think it's a fun excuse. All right, or they can read my book in the meantime. Yes, absolutely, yes. And what's the name of their book? Give us that one more time. Extraterrestrial Intelligence and the Catholic Faith, subtitle, Are We Alone in the Universe with God and the Angels? All right. And book. Great. So be sure to check out that book. We thank you all for joining us on this wonderful episode of Real Presence Live. Come back for what we give the cliffhangers reveal next time, and we'll catch you all later. Have a good day. This has been Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Real Presence Live brings you inspirational stories of faith and a look at the good and holy things happening in our local area. Weekday mornings from 9 to 11 Central. Tune in for an encore of each show beginning Saturday morning at 6. Get the podcast any time of day or night at yourcatholicradiostation.com or on the Real Presence Radio app. And remember, you can be a part of the conversation through Facebook and Twitter. Real Presence Live, local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network.